Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Ashish, with me. Um, it's it's kind of interesting the way that life, uh, you know, twists, turns, and um, brings us, you know, people in our paths. And I just recently met Ashish within the last probably 45 days. And it's just going to be an amazing conversation today. Um, Ashish and his wife, we we met, they've been following us for a while, and they were interested in the couple's mastermind. I'm not going to get too far into that right now, but our paths crossed. And I'm just so excited for the future because we gelled, we connected, and I just love the path that Ashish is on. And I just, you know, I'm so inspired by his story and where he's been and where he's come from and, and where he's going that I just thought, man, you know what, our audience needs to hear this. And so Ashish, welcome to the show. I appreciate you being on. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's really honored to be here. It's gonna be a ton of fun, man. Um, yeah, I've just been so inspired by uh, just being in your presence and with you. Um, our audience is going to love you. So, uh, so Ashish Nathu, right? Yes. Cool. So why don't you just give us the, um, the 30 second, 60 second, three minute (laughs) overview, whatever that looks like. Um, all right. Well, I guess the, who are you kind of question, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm born in Southern California, grew up here, um, been a Southern California boy my whole life. Um, went to school out East and in Boston and came right back. Um, started in the family business and general contracting for a couple of years, right, right out of school. Um, we can get a little bit more into detail in my career life, but, um, started a furniture company back in 2010, um, and grew that and are, have had some relative success there. Um, and, you know, continuing to be expired and, uh, focus on personal development and, and kind of how I got uh, connected with you. Yeah. I love it. So it's been really great. Yeah. It's cool. We're obviously going to, you know, take a deeper dive into all that, but let's, let's, yeah. let's shift and let's talk about the four questions. So who's had the greatest okay. impact on your life? I think my dad. Come yeah. Um, my dad is a really humble guy. Mm. He's the hardest guy, hardest working guy I know. Mm. Um, almost to a fault. Yeah. Um, and I think really early on in my life, I saw that work ethic mattered. And one thing that my dad always taught me and said to me was, um, we have this word in our language called, um, like bar, which means basically go learn, go figure it out. And he used that word F I L go figure it out. And, um, he always kind of supported me unconditionally um, to go keep learning and take risk and follow your gut and, um, try things and, and just keep learning. And so I think really early on, I had that sort of deeply ingrained in me Mm. that like, I didn't have to know everything. I didn't have to have all the answers, although sometimes I wanted to have all the answers, but to, to always feel like, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time, one lesson at a time, keep climbing. Um, and, um, and stay humble while, while you're doing it, which is really what my dad is all about. That's awesome. So, yeah. And he's um, a really simple guy. Like I wouldn't even say he's super ambitious or like wants to take over the world, but he, he, he knows what he wants. He stays within that lane. Um, and I think it's nice to touch that once in a while and stay focused on, you know, what got you here. That's so important. And, you know, you and I were kind of talking about this leading up to the show, but, you know, just really, I think the most important thing in life is just, as you just said with your dad, knowing what you want. And that's the thing that I think is so important and why I love bringing on a variety of guests is because there's no right answer, right? It's like, it's so different for everyone. And it isn't a monetary figure. It isn't necessarily a certain lifestyle. You can't put 
anyone in a box. It's so individual. And that's why I really love digging into not only what did you do, which we're going to get into to earn your freedom, but what does freedom mean to you? Like, what are Mm -hmm. you even chasing after? And I love the way that you brought that back with your dad. Like he knows exactly what he wants. He stays in his lane and he's super happy with it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I I think there's no doubt that we both want different things Mm -hmm. and we both want to achieve different things. And like you said, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's also really nice to have somebody in your life that's that close to keep you kind of balanced mm-hmm. as you're being the entrepreneur and running around and trying to change the world. But to have somebody who kind of like stabilizes you and asks you those humbling questions mm-hmm. and reminds you of like the basics of, okay, well, what don't you know? And what are you going to go learn? And what are you going to go figure out? And what's your path to get there? Wow. Um, and so that's really fun. Yeah. I love that. You know, that's been yeah. something that I've been really cognizant of, um, recently. And I think we, this is just such a powerful point. Um, you know, whether it's coaching or whether it's like you as a, you know, you've got a lot of employees and, and just trying, we want, we want certain things for other people in life. And we have to mm-hmm. be so careful, even, you know, having clients, coaching clients and stuff that we're not mm-hmm. like, you know, putting our biases in there. And so I love that. I love that perspective that you just brought out with your dad, because we're, we're all so individual and we have to be really careful putting our biases on other people. So that's powerful, man. I love it. Yeah. And and I, am preaching to the choir because I, I definitely fall in that, like, um, projecting our desires and wants and and energy on everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a certain group of people who can accept it and take it. And there's some people who reject it. Um, but yeah, my dad's just never been that guy. He's never been like, Oh, I want you to have or want what I want mm-hmm. to, to each their own. He yeah. says all the time, so which good. I think is, um, a really a nice way of looking at the world. Wow. Love it. If you yeah. could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Um, well, I, I, th- I really do think that it's my ability to learn fast. Mm. Um, and I think that you know, I, I don't feel like I'm special in that in any way, but I feel like I learned that really early on how important it is to take learning into um, sort of a ta- tactical strategy of like day to day. What am I learning um, on, you know, on a daily basis? And so I used to have this phrase we used to ask around the company super early on, um, like, what did you learn today? Mm. Right. And we used to have it like a conversation, but like something would happen inevitably. Everybody has this problem when you're starting a company, you don't know anything. Um, there's so many problems. And so like every day the goal was, what did we learn today? Because I was not going to make the same mistake twice or same issue twice. And so it was really fun to um, kind of make that part of our culture about, you know, um, what, did, what did you learn and, and what did you learn today? So that was fun. That's so good. So I have a question for you on that because, you know, just having, I, again, we haven't even known each other that long, but I'm kind of watching you from afar just in the short period of time. Do you think that, so the big thing for you is like you, you learn quickly, but I have a question on that. So do, are you the type of person that sees what you want and you go all in learning about it and then go do it or, or, Mm. or are you an action taker and that's why you really learn? Uh, Yeah, I definitely jump before I look. And I definitely am not one who's over calculating. And I think my closest friends would probably be the first one to say that like he needs to slow down and he's a little bit crazy because he just wants to go do shit. But I think that it's also like a gift. So there's gotta be a balance. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be analyzing everything and then like take forever to make decisions. So you have to take action, Mm -hmm. um, and movement and then learn from it, knowing that you're going to fail, you're going to make mistakes and you just have to keep correcting, keep correcting. But if you like wait for all your answers and ask 50 people before you like know everything, you'll just never do it. And, or somebody will beat you to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of have that same philosophy with our team is that like, look, everyone's going to fail. Mm-hmm. You all are going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's okay. Like yeah. that's, that's just part of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I was actually, I, I shouldn't, again, like I can't take credit for this because I was surrounded with people very early on in my career that, um, I kind of saw that models for me mm. and, um, 
like I was able to understand it and observe that and, and then impart that on other people. And I think everyone has that. It's again, it's not something that's special to me. It's just, you have to identify like, wow, this person is like giving me space to mm-hmm. learn, giving me space to fail mm-hmm. and how to appreciate, understand that. And then like, feel free to take risk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whenever, so when I heard that and I, I love the way that you, you know, pulled that together, but when I hear somebody say like, you have the ability to learn fast, um, you know, just diving down in that a little bit, usually, usually when somebody's a quick learner, um, it's because they're not scared of, you know, getting their elbows bruised or, or, you know, Mm. taking a little risk. And, you know, for, for, for our listeners out there too, um, and this has probably been the number one attribute that I think has really set me and Kara apart. And, Mm -hmm. and Kara and I are on opposite spectrums. Like I'm, I'm a hundred percent all in, let's go for it kind of guy. Kara's like, you know, she's a balance, right? And, and I, we talked about this at the couple's mastermind, you know, whether it's business or, or as a couple or whatever, if two partners have the same strength, one of them is not needed. And so I think there's a good balance there, but the reality is I've had so many opportunities in my life that I just said yes to, and we figured it out later. Um, and so yeah. usually when some, when I hear somebody say that they have the ability to learn fast or they make quick decisions or whatever, that's a skill set. That's a muscle that's been exercised. But for our listeners that are a little bit risk adverse, Um, I believe, and I would love your thoughts on this. We're actually programmed as a society. We're trained from the time we're little to not take risks. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even the education system and the way that everything teaches us like, oh no, you know, it's like, we're we're trained to be employees. We're trained to not, even our parents are like, oh, you don't do that. You're going to get hurt. Don't do that. You know, we're, 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 fear is put in us literally. And that teaches us so many things in life. And I think it's the people that really say, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of risk. I'm going to be risk adverse. I'm going to go for it. That's the people that, as you said, learn fast. Um, That's a muscle that you learn. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are showing up uh, on that question. I mean, you know, I just had two young little babies and it's really fun to just watch that truth. Like what you're saying, it's like a fear is a learned skill Mm. and like you know, there's a lot of people when they raise kids like, Oh, don't do that. Or be careful of that. Or don't jump there. Or like, don't touch that. And I think that like, it's literally layers of training mm-hmm. that we add on to the human psyche of like, I can't do this. I can't do that. There'll be consequences if I do this, a consequence if I do that. And so I think early on, we all learn that that's exactly how we should operate. Like mm-hmm. stay in your box, mm-hmm. only do this. Right. And then you go farther in your, in your life. And this is where I think I learned um, my lesson was like in, in high education in college, you learn to be in a box, right? So you, you, you study marketing, you're a marketing guy, you study finance, you're a finance guy, you're a communication, you study communications, you're a communications guy or whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And I think like, that's what the system is building us to be. Right. Yep. And so for whatever reason, I was fortunate enough to graduate at a time where every, the world was falling apart. So there was no choice but to think outside the box and because there was nothing in the box, right? Like in Mm -hmm. 2008, when I graduated, there was nothing in the box. And so you had to kind of build something. And when I, you know, long story short, when I got into furniture, the person who kind of pulled me into furniture, um, I was like completely resistant to it because I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I have a four year degree on this, on that. I'm a finance guy. I want to study. I want to be in New York. Like all the programming of the box thinking sets in. But then I learned something. I did something that I like, I recommend to everybody is like, don't think and just do it. Mm. And I didn't ask for money. I didn't like, I really just literally just jumped and I said, okay. And I'll, I'll do it. I showed up and I just started working. And I, I think that our school systems, the work environment trains us not to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, if I work, how much money will I make? Mm-hmm. Or if I go work over there, like how much is he going to pay me? Or what's the upside? Mm-hmm. Like just working um, and just putting your head down and getting stuff done and adding value and learning, adding value and learning, even mm-hmm. if that business failed, your next one will be more successful. Yeah. But like if we get lost in, oh, that's not the perfect opportunity or that's not the perfect pay or that's not, I think it's decapitating. Yeah. And so um, I think that if, if you can set yourself up and be aware of those behaviors, mm-hmm. um, then you have a higher probability 
of kind of getting out of that prison that we create for ourselves. Yeah. Um, it happened for me, but like, I also, I, I mean, when I look back and I'm like, what was, what was so special? Like there was nothing special. I just didn't look up. Yep. Yeah. Right. I didn't like think about, Oh, what am I doing? And is this the right choice? Like you just look at, look down, you keep working on providing value. You keep working on learning every day. And yeah. then like, Oh wow, something cool was built. Yeah. You know, that's such that's, a good point. I love it. And you know, I'm not in any way saying that you have to be a rebel to be successful, but when so many people look right. at the top 1% or 5% or 10%, there's a reason why a small percentage of people actually end up being successful. And it's not because they were born wealthy or because they're anything special. It's because they said yes and figured it out later. They took the risks that you're talking about. Karen, I often say this with our kids in parenting, but I think this applies to um, just a personality type as well. We've always said with our children, we're going to say yes as often as we possibly can. And, and that's exercising that yes muscle for them, letting them figure it out. And so Karen and I, we might've even talked about this at the couples mastermind, but there's been times where, you know, you're, I think our automatic answer is no. And not just as parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, even, you know, as employers, as successful entrepreneurs, even as couples, like looking to invest in a, like our default answer is no, we want to go to no, because it's a protection <clears throat> mechanism. And that's, that's right. not just with parenting, it's with everything. But if we can take that phrase and just say, and I love the theme that you've kind of, you know, cultivated here. Um, if we can figure out how to say yes as often as possible, we're going to have more opportunities to number one, make mistakes and fail and learn. That's, that's where you mm -hmm. become, you know, the ability to learn fast. The only way you can learn is by making mistakes or, you know, there's yeah, going to be some, the only way. Yeah. It's yeah. the only way. Yeah. So I love it. Um, and saying yes and figuring it out later or saying yes as often as possible has kind of been, we challenge each other all the time too. Like if, you know, even on an investment, no, why? Like mm -hmm. why? What's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, whether it's a team, whether it's a business partnership, whether it's a marriage, whether it's children, you know, even I'm just thinking about this, man. It's got like, it's got I me. I think so about, I, yeah, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I think, I think about the word no and yes, like momentum, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And somebody did this to me in an exercise once. And like, I was saying something They're like, just go on and say a sentence. And then I'm just going to interrupt you with no, like 20 times mm. and like how disruptive that was. Right. And, and I think that like progress and momentum happens when you say yes. And you just like, say yes, you learn, you tweak, you say yes again, you learn, you tweak, you say yes again. But if you just keep saying no, you never even have the shot to a tweak. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think there's also a bad stigma of like people thinking like, Oh, well you're just being reactive, Mike. Like you're just jumping on the first transaction you saw or whatever. But like, why does being reactive have to be a negative thing? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that like a lot of people think that being reactive is negative and I'm criticized for that all the time. Sure. Even my wife criticizes me for that. Yeah. But like, I'm okay with being reactive because I can learn quickly, right? Don't judge yeah. the carrot. Yeah. Like just do it. If you don't like it, get out. Yeah. Well, and um, I don't, I don't mean to be cliche, but there's that old saying, and I don't even know who said it, but you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? Yes. It's yeah. so good. I love it. <clears throat> and then you're in rooms with guys like you who are like, yeah, you thought you took a lot of shots and then you're not even playing big enough. So it's always fun to keep up leveling and, and, um, you know, continuing to expand. So, well, and I, I, I appreciate that, but that's the whole reason why I started this podcast is like every single week yeah. I get to get in rooms with people that, um, I mean, just your story. And you know, when I found out, like, I'm like, Hey, like how, how much business do you do and this and that? And I'm like, you know, it could be somewhere we've never even talked about it. So it could be somewhere between, you know, you have one employee and, and five or 10 or, you know, you have 70 yeah. employees. And, and also yeah. I'm like, well, what kind of revenue do you do? And I'm thinking, I don't know, it could be somewhere between <laughs> 500 grand. Although you drive a nice car, I'm assuming it was more than 500 grand a year, but you just never know who you're on the other side of. And that's what I love about this podcast. And that's what I love about people and getting into authentic deep conversations because you never know we don't do enough of this like we don't do enough yeah, of really getting right. pulling the curtain back and who the hell is a sheesh and then the more i've gotten to know you like i knew the minute that i met you i could tell talking to you over zoom but i knew the minute that like we got in in person together that there was like something it, and it's this it's it's the it's the yes factor it's the learning fast um you're you're moving you're like a bullet train in in 
in Asia compared to the Amtrak in the US. And I, I just love getting around guys like you. So I appreciate the comment to me, but I throw it back at you. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm inspired yeah. by you. So what was your greatest setback? And, in- I, and I will say one thing for the, for the listeners too, mm-hmm. is like, you know, I, I, it was fun for me to experience that interaction with you in the last 45 days because it ignited something in me too, to like mm-hmm. start momentum again and start jump, you know, playing offense again and like looking at new opportunities and things like that, because you're right. Like being in those rooms stimulates something. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think early on and what I would recommend a lot of people do and, and, I was pretty blessed to have this is like I had people in my life early on in my entrepreneurial life that like supported that dreaming part of being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. of like, don't worry about failing. Don't worry so much about being profitable, like Mm -hmm. stay on your path, you know, um, keep dreaming big, like protect your enterprise. Um, like having the right lessons from the right people is so important. Starting your business early on, um, it's so, it's so critical. Um, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like it's, that's the hardest part is having the right people to help you through that process. Um, you know, mentally and psychologically, the business mm-hmm. stuff, everyone can figure out. It's yeah. the other stuff that's like, Hey, you know, dream bigger. Mm-hmm. Like what you're thinking is too small. Think bigger, think bigger. Yeah. And there's a small group of people that, um, that think like that. But if you can surround yourself with that ecosystem early on, um, it's really motivating. That's so good, man. There's just a ton of gold right there. Um, that's the thing that, you know, I get asked all the time, like, what should I invest in? And I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't know. Like what, what are you good at investing? Like how much money do you have? And people will be like, I have about $5,000 saved up, which I'm not downplaying that. I mean, $5,000 saved is actually a lot of money compared to the average American saving. Um, right and compared to a lot of the places in the world. But if you've got $5,000 saved up, my, my go-to mm-hmm. answer is always invest it in your education, invest it in your knowledge, oh, invest totally. it in like, you totally know, agree. expanding your mindset because really that's the best thing we can do. And I love what you just said, you know, just being surrounded by the right ecosystem. There's a lot of power there. Um, so what, what do you have mm-hmm. to say about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely um, probably invest in myself and spend more time figuring out how to invest in myself than I do investing me on my, my money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell this to, I tell this to my dad all the time is like my best investment. My, I would bet on myself any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm an asset just like you're an asset. And so you have to invest in the asset in order to, to provide interest. Right. Um, and so how do you keep building that principal balance? So it builds interest later and that is through education, through self-development, through meditation, through quality relationships, through getting in tune with yourself, getting in tune with your ego, all those things that kind of take people really successful down really quickly too. Yeah. Um, and there's like so much great content out there about all that kind of stuff. So like, I'm not here to preach about that stuff, but like there's a reason why all this stuff is becoming mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. It's because it matters Yeah. now that science has caught up, caught, caught up to all this stuff. Like yeah. it does matter. Yeah. I, and, um, and I know, and I know you do a lot of that too, but I think that's exactly how I met you. Like mm-hmm. the journey, if you want to go there, like the journey of interacting with you was that like, I spent two years of really hardcore, working on me, Hmm. you know, and, and having pretty good financial success and still not being fulfilled Hmm. and like, well, what the hell? Like for all intents and purposes for a young guy like myself and at the age I was in, I like had pretty good success and I figured it out. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And yet like, I'm not fulfilled. Like what that doesn't mean. And that doesn't make sense Hmm. for all intents and purposes. I should be happy. And so I went on this like internal journey of, self-development and growth. And, and then I wanted that for my family, but you know, I didn't want to impart that. I wanted to set the example and that's how I found Kara. And I introduced Kara to my wife and, um, Kara and my wife have kind of followed each other or schedules followed Kara, but, um, and then we got together and my wife made it a point, like we're doing this because she wanted to invest. Um, and so I think that's a really important thing that people are, not willing to do. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something going on right now. And actually COVID has created a great opportunity because for people like you, 
it's allowed everyday people to get access to you much much more easily and mm-hmm. less expensively, right? Mm-hmm. Because you, if you do like a speaking event, like you may charge more because you're there physically, but like digitally, it's just more economical for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many great seminars and coaching events and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I offered that one of these to my entire staff and it was like 200 bucks, right? Or 300 bucks, whatever. It was like a four day thing and it's a, you know, world renowned person. It was, it was like digital and he does, never does this digitally. Mm-hmm. Like a, it was a self-development thing. And everyone was asking me like, well, are you going to pay for it? And of course I got paid for it. But I said, no, I said, I'm not paying for it. Mm-hmm. It's 300 bucks. Right. Yeah. Firstly, you're all employed in the, in during COVID. Yeah. So you have money. Yeah. But what I thought was really important for the, for everyone to learn was like, I have to make an investment in myself. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to make a $300 investment in yourself, that could potentially give you a hundred X return yeah. in, in five years. Right. Like I, I shouldn't be paying for that. Yeah. Right. Totally. And so I think about those kinds of things all the time and like not always thinking about the return on your investment because you're not going to get a return on every investment, mm-hmm. but you got to keep investing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I so love anyways, I love kinda, that's kind of my philosophy. Yeah. And I, I love what you said a little bit ago. You are an asset and you have yeah. to invest in the asset. I love the way you said that because I don't think most people look at it that way. And, and by the way, there's a part of me that, you know, feels a little bit of grace and sympathy for, cause we're, we have our ass handed to us our entire life, but that's not yeah. an excuse. Um, you know, the majority of people that are super successful, I was literally listening to Grant Cardone's story the other day, which love him or hate him. It doesn't matter. Here's the story. You know, his dad died. And then 10 years later, he said, when, when they finally, when the family was finally getting put back together, his brother died. And I'm just like, you know, those, those moments, like, we don't know what people are going through. We don't know what kind of bullshit that there, you know, has been in their life, any of that. But I'll tell you the reason why I was saying all that some of the most successful people in the world had adversity and really hard lives and all that stuff. I think there's an assumption that people that are super successful had a silver spoon in their mouth and, mm-hmm. and there's, oh, this, yeah. that's true. Yeah. They, people just feel like, Oh, you know, you've been lucky and everything's been given to you. Bullshit. When you said I am an asset and you have to invest in the asset, I'm like, that was, that was earth shattering for me because we tend, we spend all this time just thinking about investing in other things people won't invest in it. Just like the story with your, with your employees, like, are you going to pay for it? Well, no. Like why, why would I buy you a rental? You're not going to appreciate it. Like, you know, why, why Mm -hmm. would I, why would I invest in your number one asset, your knowledge and abilities and skill set? If it's specifically to better, you know, their position, which that would too, but I I get that, but people just don't want to invest in themselves. Like, I mean, yeah, I I kind of using that as a tease because I invest all these other kinds of things, right. To like help create a space for them to flourish, Mm -hmm. but like 300 bucks for a world renowned person that normally would cost $3,000, you know, like normal, I mean, I shouldn't say normal, but like, it's not something that everyone's just like jumping out of the Mm -hmm. seat and like, let me pay four grand to go do that Mm -hmm. and spend five days away from my family to go do, but this is 300 bucks from the comfort of your living room. Mm -hmm. And so like, why are you still not willing to do that? And so, Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, looking backwards too, and, and just kind of on this same thread, I just heard Mm -hmm. Kara saying this the other day, we have, I want to go back even a little further. I remember when I was buying our second house, I was scared shitless. And my father-in-law said, I've never bought a house that I can afford. And he's a pretty conservative guy. Like, so this isn't like a frivolous guy. That's always just spent. He was like, Mike, I've never bought a house that I can afford. We've always, you know, bought up and I'm not, I'm not saying that's great advice or poor advice, but, um, Kara was talking about that. And then also like, we've never invested in a mastermind or, you know, a course or a group that didn't stretch us. I remember the first mastermind that I invested in, which was 2016 it was $25,000 a year. It was a two year commitment. Plus I had to travel once a quarter. Plus I had to pay for airfare and motel. And I was just like, I was scared shitless to make that investment. And that was like five years ago. But yeah, I've never, when you know that you know that you know that you need to make an investment, whether it's $300 or whether it's $30,000 or whether it's a hundred thousand dollars, 
um, you know, you were saying this with um, Sage, you said, you know, she was like, we're doing this, right? Because she knew that you guys needed to, and I'll let you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah. But the reality <clears throat> is when you're talking about being an, like you're the asset and you have to invest in an asset, that's so, so valuable. Probably the most valuable thing that has been said on this podcast for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there, but you, I mean, if you have something, we can go there or I'm, I'm, um, no, I, I think that, um, everybody is looking for something. Mm. And I think if you're not looking for something, you're just lying to yourself. Like mm. everybody's looking for something, right? Yeah. It's more of something, more love, more money, more attention, more self-reflection, more, self-love more physical health like more something if you're not really looking for more of something you're just bullshitting yourself mm -hmm. like it's not fucking true yeah. it's not possible for you to live on this planet and just be like completely satisfied with everything aspect of your life yeah and so what what um you know stretching yourself and like trying to find these tools that allow you to address those things like you have to be intentional about it. It doesn't just fall into your lap and like no one's come, you know, there's a lot of people talking about like no one's coming to save you. Right. Mm -hmm. Right now. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. Like you got to spend the money. Yeah. You got to read, you got to do the work. You got to wake up early. You got to do, you know, do the work yeah. and, um, and whatever aspect of your life that is, mm -hmm. whether it's in your relationship or whether it's, you know, growing your wealth or whether it's growing your business or growing yourself or, Mm -hmm. taking care of your body. And yeah. so, um, you know, investing in the asset just allows you to be more productive to do those things and do it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, but well, it doesn't just happen. No, no, it's a lot of hard yeah. work. And I think that's the thing that people have to understand. It's <clears> like, <throat> you don't just wake up one day and just because you decided to start doing the work, everything changes. I was having this conversation yeah. with a guy last night and it's you're, this whole thread conversation is reminding me of this, but I'm reading a book right now called the almanac of, I think it's a next, I, I can't remember the almanac of, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but he's talking in there about happiness. And so this guy and I were having a conversation right before I read this chapter. And the guy was like, what's the name of that book? And I think it's a Nick sing, sing, single or something like that. But it, as we're having this conversation, he says, he says to me, I think happiness is a skill. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I don't know that I would disagree with that because, and what I said to him is I said, I think happiness is being present. I've been thinking about mm. this the last few weeks because anytime that I'm unhappy or I'm experiencing anxiety and yes, I experience anxiety. Like sometimes I'll be having mm -hmm. this feeling and I'm like, literally I have like something has me stressed out. I'm so in tune with, uh, and this doesn't happen overnight. This is the point that I'm, as you said that, yeah. like I'm so in tune with, um, you know, being happy and not being stressed out because I've worked really hard to get here over the last couple of years that when I'm experiencing anxiety, sometimes I'll feel it. And I'm like, Whoa, what has me anxious? And I'll mm. think back to 30 minutes ago. And, and I'm, I literally go looking for the thought that has me anxious. And so here's my point of this. I do agree with him that being happy is a skill, but I also think it's being present because anytime that I'm unhappy, I'm thinking about the past I'm thinking about yeah. something that pissed me off. I'm thinking about someone that pissed me off or I'm thinking forward about some project that I have to work on or something that is out of line or I need to raise a million dollars for a project or whatever. And so the thing that I want to come back to, you know, as far as you being the asset and investing in yourself, I think the single thing that people can do is try, try to just be a little more present because if you're yeah. present right here, right now, like I can't be here right here right now with you and not be happy. Yeah. Unless we're fighting. Yeah, you, if, you're, <laughs> if you're thinking about all these different things, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I love that just investing <clears throat> in the asset, but I think the single thing that the single easiest thing that people could start to do. And you talked about all this meditation and, and growing and just reading and learning and all of the above, you're a quick learner, any of that stuff. But the reality is if you can just Anytime you're out of um, line or you're unhappy or whatever, just think about it. You're, you're, you're in the future or you're in the past. Just learn to be present and just find your happy place. That's the easiest, simplest thing that I think people could do. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And, and that is so true and so, uh, so um, underrated. Mm. 
and it's not easy and it doesn't happen without the work. Um, I think most of the people who are listening are like doers, right? On your podcast, Mm -hmm. they're action people, they get stuff done. They're producers. Like I, I use that word a lot. Like we are producers. Um, but being able to produce at that high level and not being in touch with yourself in the present moment, um, can create a lot of problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, like every moment you have with your wife when you're upset is never a good one. Right. It never ends up awesome when you're upset, right? Right. right. Um, and so like what, getting in tune with yourself and understanding the emotions and what are happening and why those emotions are coming up and addressing those kind of root causes and, and working on that mm-hmm. um, gets you better, yeah. at becoming more present and yeah. then you and then you up level of it then you learn something new yeah. and you're like oh well that pushed a button with me and that triggered me or that guy mm-hmm. you know t- said something that triggered me and yeah. so you just keep working on those things um which helps us all become like better decision makers and mm-hmm. better friends and better spouses and all of that um and i think like for my for me like I had a really high expectation for myself. And I think like a lot of people around me had a high expectation. I kind of fed into that. Mm. It was like a codependency almost. But once I like learned to almost like trust myself and stop judging myself, which was the biggest thing. Um, I think you can like, okay, well I made a mistake. Like I can learn from that and I cannot do it again. Yeah. They're like, Oh man, I was an asshole. Like, you know what? I'm, not going to judge myself for being an asshole. Like mm-hmm. what, why did I, why did, why did I act like that? Like yeah. what caused it? Cause that's not what I want to do. Right. Why did I do that? Yeah. And then you can work backwards mm-hmm. and then like, Oh, that guy, you know, Mike was an a-hole to me. Like I'm not going to judge him for that. That's who he wants to be. And yeah. why did that trigger me? And so all of that kind of self-awareness stuff I think is so important, mm-hmm. but like you said, it's not easy. You got to work mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And, um, but it makes you it makes you enjoy the ride more, right? It makes yeah. you enjoy the journey more because you're aware while you're doing it mm-hmm. of like, well, why am I doing what I'm doing, and yep. is this fulfilling or not, and do I need to change the path? But I I just love I'm going to say it a hundred times, but I just love what you said about <laughs> you're the asset. Like all this just comes back to you. Yeah, you can you can make it's the so largest true. investments. You can put millions of dollars into businesses <clears throat> if you're not working on your main asset, which is you. Man, none of that matters. Okay. Yeah. What was your greatest yep. setback and what did you learn from it? What was my greatest setback? Um, so I, I, I mean, obviously I have a lot of them, but I think that like there was a phase in my business that um, I was failing mm-hmm. pretty hard. Um, it was four or five years in. Um, we were not profitable. And I'll, I'll use a business example for now. Um, and like, I think the, you know, when, when, when you're failing and you keep digging yourself into a deeper hole, it gets uglier and uglier and uglier. And like that, the, it, it just becomes personal. Mm. And, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that where you're like, you're, you feel like you're against a wall. And I think what I learned through that process was that no one was coming to save me. Mm-hmm. And like, I kept using excuses and I was like looking for other people to blame and I was like the environment or that guy or this guy or that company or that industry or that shareholder or whatever. And I think that, um, it's important for us to remind ourselves that like the only person in control of our world is us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in my, in this example, like I was in control and I was capable of making the decisions and changing the behaviors that I needed to, to put the company on track. But for whatever reason, um, I just didn't do it and I didn't like step into the power of that awareness. Hmm. And so when I did, like I, I like to white, white uh, paper a lot. And so I just took a white piece of paper out and I just started writing like everything that I thought was the tactical strategy to get there. Hmm. Right. And then I just did it and I put it like I stuck it on a door. There was like five or six really critical moves that we needed to make and like unrelenting, like just shift this big ass boat really quickly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're either going to, um, fail under those practices or you're going to succeed at those practices. There's only one or two options. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, we already knew what was not working. 
So we can either fail doing the same thing yeah. or we could change and then try something different or fail again. So um, I think like really being aware that like, man, I'm just continuing to do the same shit. It's mm-hmm. not helping. It's not working. And I have to step into the power of making that change. Um, knock on wood, it works, but um, it, it definitely changed the course of our company and changed the course of our culture. And, um, and uh, I grew tremendously from that process. And I think failing is part of that process. Like yeah. I failed hard, yeah. really hard to the point where I had to like, you know, almost was done. Yeah. And I think that journey is really healthy, uh, but I don't, I don't discount that. But also like knowing when to pivot and make aggressive um, change. Mm-hmm and not kind of be slow to make that change. I love it. It's important too. That's yeah. so good, man. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Um, don't probably, probably, um, don't be afraid of making mistakes mm. and don't judge yourself. Yeah. And I think like I'm self projecting that of course. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think like, that's where I'm hardest on myself. Yeah. It's like, I'm afraid of making mistakes. I'm afraid of people judging me. I'm afraid of judging myself. I'm afraid of thinking what are people going to say? Um, what, what does it look like if I fail? I think that is all, um, a story and a, and, um, a framework that doesn't allow you to thrive. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not easy to get away from those statements, but um, if you can do it and you can continue to stay in that vibration, it becomes a little easier. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people who can encourage you. Um, and so I try to do that for our team. Um, you know, everyone in our company starts coming from a place where they were in a box, mm-hmm. right? And even though they all have their roles, like I always mention, like, you know, you can come and work for us, but I will never put you in a box. Mm-hmm. You, you're the only person who's going to keep you in a box. So, you know, don't judge yourself for making mistakes, have space to make, um, have lateral changes or adjustments, um, keep moving forward and then don't judge yourself. Yeah. That's really good. I like that. Yeah. And you know, you can, you can see that when you were talking about projecting, um, you know, obviously you're hard on yourself, but that's what keeps you going too. And even back to the ability to learn fast, you know, there's something here that I think the audience needs to know about you. I mean, you, you run a multiple, 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 multiple eight figure company. Like this is not, I mean, this isn't a guy that, you know, is trying to break his first million. And then, so when we start connecting, you're like, you're starting to get interested in real estate. You hear a few things like, you know, the, the ability of building wealth and diversification and tax benefit. And all of a sudden, like you call me last week and you're like, Mike, I'm coming to Arizona for six days and I'm going to meet with everybody and I'm going to start like, you're an action taker. Yeah. Sometimes to a fault, but yes. Well, I love it because I mean, the only way that you're going to learn what you know and don't know is by taking action. Right. I I mean, it's amazing. It's worked so so far. I think, I think that what I, what I preach also is like, everything is a sum of all circumstances. Mm. And I think that what we need to do in life is like, we have to take more action to create circumstances that ultimately sum to a result that we want, Mm. but you can't hope that a result will happen if you don't have like meetings, if you don't have like do the things like do the work or, um, you know, make the calls or like set up the Mm. meetings or so like, I always talk about circumstances, sort of serendipity. Uh, people don't like that word because it's kind of woo-woo, but um, you know, you got to have circumstances and you got to increase the amount of circumstances you have mm-hmm. in whatever you're wanting to do. And yeah. then slowly things connect. Like yeah. I never would have thought that that was in interest to me until I met you, but I didn't meet you until like 10 other circumstances happened that led mm-hmm. me to that. Mm-hmm. And so I think any successful person would say, that like they do a lot of things and they try a lot of things and not all of them work, but it's because they just do a lot of things and they have all these balls, yeah. which um, can sometimes be scary and non-logical. Yeah. Well, and I you love, know? I love the way you said that. Like, you know, people talk about the word serendipity and they don't like it, but the reality is like, you're never going to meet your next best client, investor, partner, any of that from your couch. Like <laughs> you got to yeah. get your ass off the couch and make moves. And I love that about you. You're like, Mike, I'm going to be in Arizona March 1st through the 6th or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, 
this guy, that's why, that's why you learn fast. And I love that. I mean, there's just a, that's your superpower, man. You're just, you just go for it. And I freaking love it. Yeah. It's fun. Cool. It's fun. Um, this world is really, this world is fun, right? Yeah. I mean, the world has so much to offer and no matter how much you think you're doing, somebody's doing a hundred X more than you. Yeah. And not meaning more money, but like experiencing more. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what motivates me is like, by the time I'm gone, I want to feel like I've experienced everything that I wanted to experience. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to keep putting yourself in situations that you can have experiences, right? Like people talk about traveling. Isn't that the same thing? Like I want to travel the world. Why? Well, you want to travel the world to have all these experiences so you can learn. And by the time you're gone, you're like, I traveled the world. I had all these beautiful experiences of culture, or mm-hmm. nature, or whatever. Same thing in business. Yeah. Same thing in making money. Same thing in you know, getting married. Like, yeah. why do you want to date 10 girls? Oh, cause I want to experience. I want to see, I want to like, <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Speaking of travel and experiences, tell us the quick, <laughs> tell us the quick version about when you and Sage got married, you guys, your family's from India. Um, you, you tell, tell us that it's, uh, this is hilarious. Well, we got, yeah. So my wife, um, well actually it's funny. I just used the dating example. It's a bad example. Cause Sage was like one of the first, was the first girl I ever dated. We got engaged in five months and we got married one year later. So very quick. Um, that was a decision I made pretty quickly. Um, but we got, we got married in India. It was her idea. She wanted her, she had family over there and she thought it was really important that the family who couldn't come to the U S was there. And so we decided to take 200 people from the U S um, mostly from Southern California, my family, all Newporty, you know, um, white suit or, you know, black suit wearing family of mine all the way over to India, which was really fun. And we got married in the village, like the farm village in the middle of nowhere <laughs> where no one was coming to rescue you. Like, yeah. and, uh, yeah, we had a really colorful, beautiful wedding there. And, um, I had seven or eight of my closest white friends from college who showed up and, um, they had quite an experience getting married in India and, uh, it was, it was really cool. But that, that experience of getting married in India, it's, and it's really a different place, but you know, you can, you can be very close for a long period of time. Mm. And in our, as you know, like Indian weddings are really long. They're like four or five days long. Mm-hmm. And so we had the opportunity to like have everybody stay with us and everyone lived in the same like four or five houses and we all slept together and we woke up together. So like that process was so beautiful to be able to spend that time. And it was the first and last time our entire family, five generations of people were in the village where mm. our ancestors were from. And it was probably going to be the last time. Yeah. And, um, and so it was really, it was really fun. Cause if we had a mer- wedding in America, like, you know, everyone stays in their own hotel rooms mm. or they all stay wherever they are and yeah. you have a few hours every day or they're staying at home. So it's just a different process to keep people together. Yeah. And I think that that's also, um, that's really important. And how I grew up is we had people around us all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I think a lot of cultures have that, but I think that's underrated too, Yeah, is creating these relationships and people, these ecosystems of support, um, an example to continue to keep the glue. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, why are we doing what we're doing? So it was fun. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that again. Um, I loved yeah. <laughs> hearing that at dinner with you and Sage sitting there. It was just such a fun story. Um, it says a lot of too about, you know, you guys and just what's important to you. I mean, literally bringing <laughs> 200 people, like I'm just picturing you guys should have just rented like a small cruise ship or something. And, but anyway, I just, that just speaks yeah. so much about what matters and your guys's values and what's important to you. So one last thing as we wrap this up and I've never actually asked you this, but I remember the first time we got on a zoom call seeing if it was a fit. Um, for the couple's mastermind. Yeah. I, you guys, you, you really shared with us then that philanthropy was really important to you, but honestly, in all mm. of our communications, which hasn't actually been a ton of, I feel like I've known you forever, but, um, when we have communicated it, like even when we were at the mastermind, it was like three days of nonstop. So I, I know philanthropy is super important to you. Can you give us the three minute or five minute version of what do you guys do? Yeah. So I actually can't, I mean, I'm not even going to try to take credit for how this was instilled in us, but, um, 
we have a family foundation. Um, we have a very large family network here in Southern California. And so our grandfather started a pretty large family foundation. He was very successful, um, but decided that he really wanted to create a philanthropic, um, you know, impact on the world uh, in the last phase of his life. And part of that journey, and he's done a lot and does a lot and, and is super 92 years old or something is super stimulated in that. Awesome. And he drives that a lot, but, um, he thought it was very important at a young age for us to be educated about that in a formal way. Mm. And so probably for like the last 15 years, me and all our cousins were, you know, formally like trained of like, okay, how do you, how do you think about giving? How do you think about it from financial standpoint, a human impact standpoint, a, a scalability standpoint. Um, and so like that's, you know, in the beginning we kind of got those nuggets um, uh, I think that, I think everybody wants to give and wants to do something and they ought to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everyone has their own seasons in life. Like, you know, I'll, I'll admit this, like, um, I think this is, I think there's a phase for everybody of like deep giving and a lot of giving. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, some people take the, the approach of like, well, I'm going to invest my money or I'm going to invest my time. I think I don't, I don't judge anyone. I don't care what it is as long as you're doing something. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think it's important to um, kind of create your focuses because otherwise you're going to be just distracted and never do anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And so our foundation focuses on um, it's called the Tresadia foundation shout out. Um, but it, it, it does um, uh, health and, and human services uh, it does shelter and it does education. So those are the three kind of um, pillars. And um, in, in our company now, we're starting to focus on a few of our own different pillars. And as a furniture company, super um, in tune with the environment. So starting to um, work on environmental sustainability initiatives and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, no, nothing, no, no rocket science, but, you know, I think it's important to understand the balance of things and the, the giving and the taking of things. And as entrepreneurs, we take a lot, we make a lot. Um, and then like, how do we give? And I think I saw that very early on mm. in, in, um, in businesses, in my ecosystem of, well, we've taken a lot from this space. What are we giving? Mm -hmm. Right. Or we've taken a lot from this country. What are we giving or, or whatever? Yep. Um, and just being in tune with that. Cool. And I think like Kara, I'll give a shout out to Kara really quick. Kara just had a podcast talking about, money and mm -hmm. energy mm -hmm. and that's what it is right it's yeah. like money and energy and so if you can understand that and the giving and the taking of that it will serve you yeah you just may not know how or what mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you can't die with money yeah so. it's so good man <laughs> well we're at 52 minutes so it's been a good one what um you know i want to give you a, a few minutes if you got any final last words and um if, if not, I don't, then... I don't know. I don't have any fast last words. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate you. So where, where can people find you? You can find me on my Instagram page. Um, my, my, at my handle. Um, I'm not very social in that regard yet. Um, I think you may push me to do that uh -huh. more. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of a, a much more grassroots type of guy, but I definitely need to increase my social presence. Um, but yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Ashish Natu. And, uh, and yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, man, all your insight and wisdom. It's been super amazing. And I think our audience is going to love it. So thanks for uh, your candor. Love it. Thanks. Thanks so much, Mike, and for being you and everything that you do. Yeah. Bringing wisdom to the world, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers. Cheers. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.